All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that the listener was interested in. So the listener went to our website, techgumbo.net, and they went to the question of the week tab and they submitted a question. This week's question is, with summer coming, I'm worried about my kids spending too much time on their phones and on the computer. Is there anything I can do? This is a great question. And actually, it's a very well-timed question because the Surgeon General actually just released a lot of feedback and a lot of guidelines for parents and what they can do. There's also guidance for the government and just general statements about the impacts of social media on teens and children. But there were several very pragmatic, very implementable guidelines that we'd like to share with them with you now. First and foremost, the Surgeon General and the American Psychological Association have come out and said that parents really need to monitor their adolescents for the problematic social media usage. And when you start off with that line that it's problematic, well, you can get an idea of where we're kind of where some of these guidelines and suggestions are going to start heading. Yeah, a lot of those were more specific types of behaviors like exposure to cyberbullying, online hate, maybe comparison, body comparison, things like that. That's whenever it starts to get into those problematic areas. Also emphasize teaching teens digital citizenship, literacy, digital hygiene, those types of things. And the APA came out and said, look, you've got to really sit down and talk to your kids about the endless scrolling and hitting those like buttons and kind of put some guidelines as to when that's appropriate to do those things. The first one is hold your firmest boundaries at night. That we know the ways in which screens and social media can disrupt sleep patterns and sleep behaviors. And so set a rule, no screens after 9 p.m., no screens after 10 p.m., whatever makes sense for your family. But at a certain point in time, those devices have to go off. This is really, really important. And I would add in, When you're sitting at the dinner table, there's no phones at the dinner table because that was certainly a rule and still is a rule in the Davis household that there is family time, there is there is time to when it's appropriate. But once it's bedtime, 
is bedtime. Oh, I think that your point about not having your phones at the dinner table is another great point. And it's, again, something that can make sense for adults as well. That, you know, all of this advice was framed as conversations to have with your children and with your teens. But for me, myself, whenever I'm hanging out with my friends, that's one of the things that we give each other a hard time about is, oh, like, are we sitting around all just like staring at our phones? Are we actually having conversations together? And so given that none of this is going away anytime soon, these are habits that you're going to have to start building early on, and you're going to have to be able to carry this. I don't want to say for the rest of your life, because who knows what it looks like 40 years from now, but for the foreseeable future, that ability to say, okay, I'm going to bed, I'm turning my phone off, I'm going to bed, I'm putting my phone away, or I'm with people who I care about and I want to hear what they have to say, I'm going to give them my attention. The next big guideline to really hold on to, no smartphones or tablets or laptops in the bedroom overnight. Yes, very much building on all these things we've been talking about. This was a rule in our household, no internet facing devices when you guys were kids. And you know, once you turn 18, you're an adult. Okay, that's, that's, you're making your own decisions at that point. But until y'all turned 18, there were no computers in the bedroom. There was no smartphones in the bedroom. There was no tablets. Even the Game Boys, which with limited internet-facing capabilities, were not staying in the bedrooms overnight. Yeah, and this is obviously very different that I left the house in 2011. And so what was reasonable, what were the internet-facing devices which were accessible to me in 2010 versus today in 2023, you know, that is just more complicated. It was easier to set that boundary back then, but it doesn't mean that it's less important today. It really is one of those just, this is not a line to draw on the sand. This is an absolute that you, you've got to just stick with. You can't sit there and you can't waffle on this because there's no telling what little Johnny, little Susie are seeing at two in the morning when they're awake on their, their smart devices instead of being asleep, getting, getting ready for school. A lot of these guidelines from the Surgeon General are also about helping them realize what the impacts of social media and their devices could be on them. And so one of the guidelines and directives is to ask questions in order to get them thinking about the ways in which it impacts them. So one of the questions is ask your teen or ask your child, do you feel like you have control over social media or do you feel like social media is controlling you? And so again, this is a question which also hits me at 29, but that idea of sometimes I have a hard time not being on my phone. Sometimes I'm, whenever I'm feeling rough, I just instinctively pull up my phone and, and immediately open up a social media app without even realizing that I'm trying to, to pacify myself in some way. This is a really, really good question to ask because it's going to help you understand what your kid thinks about social media and whether or not your kid thinks this is social media is problematic or not. If your kid just thinks it's routine to spend 18 hours a day looking at TikTok videos, well, that's a problem. And it's not creating good habits for your child. And, and I think also that question of allowing them to think about it, because ultimately you need to be building the fact that one day they're going to have to take over this responsibility for themselves 
And so having that conversation with them, starting off, hey, do you do you notice these things in yourself? That if you're feeling these negativity feelings, that do you feel bad about yourself while you're looking at certain parts of social media? Because one of the things we talk about on this show is that a lot of portions of Instagram are designed to get you to feel bad about yourself because then they can show an ad immediately afterwards to sell you something which is designed to make you feel good about yourself. And that link between feeling bad and buying something is an intentional part of the social media process. And so working with your children to help them be able to peel that apart and better craft their feed so that if they see a lot of content, which they just feel awful looking at, maybe they remove it from their feed and they fill it with things that are more constructive, more positive. There's been a lot of information about the negative effects that social media has on girls and their body imaging and everything. And and that's widely known. But there's in recent years been a lot more information coming out that, hey, this can affect boys, too. Well, maybe they do. And maybe this is a lot more important to to boys, not just girls. And so you've got to ask that question. Do I feel bad about myself when I'm looking at this? Ask your teen to ask this question of themselves. Yes, and ask it of yourself as well. And and it's a very legitimate question to ask, even of a 61-year-old me. Do I feel like social media controls me or, or am I controlling it? And do I feel bad about myself because I'm not, I'm fear of missing out. The FOMO thing, you know, I, I feel like I have a healthy relationship with social media, but okay, that's me. I, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I could I could do better do with a lot less of social media, as could everybody, but we're all kind of in the game now. Yeah, and I feel the same way, that generally I have a healthy relationship with it, but I very much have the advantage of this is something that I've grown up with. It's something that I've seen for a long time. Whenever I started using social media, it was a very different beast. And so because it changes so fast, because it's so different today than it was 10 years ago and it didn't exist 20 years ago, one of the specific guidelines from the Surgeon General is when you have these conversations, have them based around curiosity instead of judgment. That whenever, especially with your older teens, they're going to have their own opinions. They're going to have their own ideas. And they're if you just sit there and talk at them as opposed to talk with them, they're not going to respond as well in the same way. And so at the end of the day, you are still the parent. You are still in control. It is up to you to set these guardrails and these boundaries, but allow them to tell you how they feel, how they're thinking about that. And that will lead to much better places. You really do have to have those kinds of conversations, especially with the, the 15, 16, 17-year-old kids as they're getting ready to turn 18, become adults, go off on their own, go off to college, go off wherever. You know, you want to get them thinking, hey, let's have this conversation. And I'm not judging you because, yes, I'm on social media too, but as an adult, I'm a little more, I think about it this way. Well, how do you think about it? Not how could you, not accusatory, but bring up things. Hey, you know, this concerns me. Have you thought about that? Or what What would a, What would it look like? And just get a conversation going so that you, you and your child can have a deeper conversation about 
what's really going on with social media in their lives. Oh, and I think one excellent question to ask as well is, what are the ways in which you see social media helping your life? When do you feel like you are using it well? When does it bring you joy? When does it make you happy? Because one of the complexities of this technology is that it's not all bad. If social media only sucked, we'd throw it into the ocean and we'd never think twice about it. But there are good things attached to it. There are good things associated with it. And so having those conversations, asking those questions and being more intentional about crafting a social media feed, which makes your life better, which brings good connections and, and brings positivity into your life. This is one of those things where you want to have that that conversation and then continue it. This is not a one time. Let's just chat and oh, five minutes. And thank goodness. I'll never have to do that again. These are conversations that should go on and on and on. And look, I'm 61 having this conversation with my son, who's almost 30 years old about these things. And it helps me. So I'm sure it helps you, too. So keep these conversations going. Because my answers to all these things five years ago were very different. You know, they might have had the same flavors, but our understanding of social media has changed a lot in the past five years. My usage of social media has changed a lot in five years. I was not on Twitter at all, and TikTok didn't exist. And so whenever you think about how rapidly all of these things are iterating, you need to keep working through these things and keep asking these questions and keep having these conversations. So that was a great question. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you to the listener. You, we will be sending out that beautiful Tech Gumbo mug with the Tech Gumbo logo on it for free. And you too could get a Tech Gumbo mug by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Go to the question of the week tab, send us your question. No, we don't keep the information. We don't sell ads based upon this. Once we, we get the question, then it's done. We'll reach back out to you so we can send send you a mug. But this is we just take your us. privacy seriously. Very seriously. This as serious as we take our own privacy. Wanted to jump in and go back through a couple of the, the technology myths that still exist. This this is amazing that they still come out there, but the number one myth is that when you're in incognito mode or privacy mode. People think you're completely private and that those that Google's not watching when you're in incognito mode. This is ex exactly right. That if you were looking for more privacy or security, you're looking for a VPN, a virtual private network, something like NordVPN. But even that is not perfectly secure. It's not perfectly private. There's still a lot of other ways for people to track your habits, track what you're doing. It's just won't be saved to your immediate Chrome browser, won't be saved to your immediate Chrome profile if you're in incognito, but it is very much not a silver bullet. And oh, by the way, we do use NordVPN here on Tech Gumbo, and that's a thing, they're not a sponsor. Another one is that Apple, Macs, and iPhones cannot get malware. Yeah, this is the one which has been around for a long time. I think it's starting to become a little bit less common of an idea just because 
iPhones are so common as a mobile device here in America. 15 years ago, whenever it was only the Mac as a piece of hardware, but given the popularity of the iOS as a platform, they definitely can get malware. Yeah, this started because back when there were just PCs, the Macs never got more than 7 or 8% of the total computers that were out there. So if you're writing software to be malware, then you were going to write it for the bigger 90% target, not the little 7% target. And so, yes, Macs stayed below most of the malware radar. Not so much anymore because iOS is every bit as prevalent as anything else out there. So you gotta you gotta protect yourself. And even if it was at that smaller percentage point, you're not small potatoes for cybercrime. That because of the way that cybercrime is distributed now, that even if you are don't have a whole lot of money, you don't have a whole lot to hide, the fact that it can spread very easily. You click on a link wrong or you put in your password somewhere where you shouldn't have. That is a very easy way for scammers to, even if they're just getting 500 bucks from you, getting $1,000 from you, it requires so little marginal effort on their end. That's all just profit. Another one is that Alexa is recording everything from the Amazon Echo devices, the Google Home devices, the Apple HomePods, that they're listening and recording everything and everything that's going on in the house. This is mostly not true. There have been some weird instances, but those are for the most part one-offs. It is only listening for the wake word. We've, we've dug into this. You can look at the hardware. You can look at the power consumption. We're very confident that it is not sitting there listening to everything you do. The amount of storage it would require to hold on to everything that is, that it is being said around these devices is just astronomical. So that's not realistic. And it wouldn't be valuable. If it was astronomical and valuable, they would find a way. But because they can't monetize it, then we're safe for now. Another one is that phones can take pictures as well as the full frame cameras. No, this is, I mean, you know, the cameras are good. Yeah, the cameras have 200 megapixels and all of those things. But those full frame cameras just allow more light in. It's got more capabilities to, to do things that bigger cameras that, that are out there. If you're really worried about it, you're never going to see a professional photographer using an iPhone or an Android to take a, a wedding photo or a really, really important photo. You don't, you don't see the guys on the sidelines with the big telephoto lens strapped to an iPhone. Yeah, just the you need that extra physical space in order to manipulate the light. You need the extra lenses and all those sorts of things to bend and capture the colors and capture all the different things. Yeah, you can add as many megapixels as you want, but there's just only a certain amount of compression that you can do of the physical realities of light. And a couple more that kind of go together. Batteries don't develop memory and you don't have to take your phone all the way down to zero charge like you used to have to do with the old NICAD batteries back in the early 90s. Yeah, and building on top of that, you can leave your phone charged overnight. A lot of these phones now have a lot of software built into them, and so they'll sit there and they'll notice whenever it gets to 97, 98, 99, they'll slow down the charging and they'll just stop asking for more power once you get to that 100%. Because these are basically lithium-ion batteries, 
and they don't operate the same way that the other hardware did. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission, and that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.